Hello, I'm Rob Beckett. And I'm Josh Whittacombe. Welcome to Parents in Hell, the show in which Josh and I discuss what it's really like to be a parent, which I would say can be a little tricky. So, to make ourselves, and hopefully you, feel better about the trials and tribulations of modern day parenting, each week we'll be chatting to a famous parent about how they're coping. Or hopefully how they're not coping. And we'll also be hearing from you, the listener, with your tips, advice and, of course, tales of parenting woe. Because let's be honest, there are plenty of times when none of us know what we're doing. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat up old running shoes, Sierra says save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Hello, you're listening to Parents in Hell with... Harry, can you say Rob Beckett? Rob Beckett. And can you say Josh Widdicombe? Josh Widdicombe. That's really good, well done. <laughs> I'm a big, I'm a big fan of that one, Josh. That was good. This is Harry. It was cute, and the mum sounded fun as well. Yeah. What Rach from Norwich? She does sound oh, fun. You know, Norwich is quite a nice place oh, it's against very nice, all yeah. press coverage. Um, do you know what Norwich? Lovely people, lovely place. I think just because of the location where it is, it gets a bad rep because it, it, you, there's nowhere else to go once you get there. Yeah, it's difficult. It's the end. There's no motorway, is there? No, it's a tough... Oh, it's so dark. Thetford Forest on the way back at 11... Oh, it's got... It's so dark. Such a dark drive. Let's focus on the positives of Norwich, Rob. Oh, the go on then. You, you first. Uh, that's a lovely theatre. And I'd say <laughs> quite an iconic football team. They wear a different I... colour to a lot of teams. Um, and also, Rach and Rich live there with their son, Harry, who's 19 months old. They have been waiting until he could do a passable repeat of your names for a long time. So we've been listeners from the beginning. Absolutely love the show, even before Harry came along. And now on the home stretch of pregnancy number two, due in May. Oh, congratulations. Keep being your sexy and relatable selves, and thanks for all the laughs. You make this utter carnage of parenting malarkey seem normal. Big love. Rach and Rich from Norwich, four kisses. Four kisses. That's okay, that's nice. Um, a lot of babies at the moment. My mate's just had a baby. I went to, I had to drop off a water bottle for him mm. like, that he'd left at my house. and Because I, I was like, they only live like 20 minutes away. away. I was like, like, if anything you need, because she had to have a C-section. So she was like, yeah. obviously it makes everything a bit harder, doesn't it? Afterwards. Yeah, you've basically had an operation. Well, you have had an operation. Yeah. Well, it's an operation, isn't it? It's major, surgery. It's major, major surgery. surgery. it's major surgery. It's major surgery. And um, I went round there and... Um, that, like, they looked so tired, bless them. There was like, the baby was so cute, but because they'd been in hospital a couple of days and that just transported me back to having a little one. And it's like that first few days, you're just in an absolute f- hazy fog. Yeah. Of just like, oh my God. But um, yeah, they're, the baby's all happy and healthy and they're all happy and healthy. But um, I just remember just, I just saw my mate stood there with a baby. And it's always so funny <laughs> seeing your mate with a baby, in it? Yeah. It is weird. Because I, 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 you know, they also, they do sort of cradle it a bit like, you know, yeah. your drunk mate of a kebab on the way home from yeah. a night out at the start. It's sort of like, that's the only thing I've ever seen him hold that delicately. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or a crate, of, it's either that and a crate of beer and now a baby. You know, like, How old is he? Exciting. I suppose because you're a bit younger than me, you've got friends who are having their first kids, really. Yeah, so I was 29 when I had my first, which is yeah. quite fairly young. Uh, not for my family or my cousins. I had them about 17, 18. But um, yeah, so that was quite late. But yeah, so he's no, he's a bit old. He's 37, 36, kind of thing, which is not too old. No. But he's, um, his wife's a little bit younger. Um, and then my younger brother's having a baby as well. So yeah, I've got mates that are just starting to have them. And then other people that have got them a bit older. So, so But yeah, I've never really had many nearby. Like you live quite close to your mate proper mates and got yeah. kids the same age haven't you where our kids the friends we've got through kids are different to the ones i had growing yeah. up if you know yeah. what i mean yeah it's sort of the ages didn't really match up whenever one had one because we've yeah. got friends that've got kids the same age as our eldest but then a much younger one or a much older one and it just doesn't fit as well for play dates because there's always a kid always in the corner going, going the kids friends and you have to be friends with the parents rather than the other way around that's what i say like well. i said you know what i mean yeah um josh oh recorder club that's what i was going to talk yeah. to you about recorder club so you know my eldest doesn't do any clubs yes yeah, she hates clubs 
hates clubs and we were like fair enough doesn't want to do them whatever anyway we went in the 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 new the, the, there's a new teacher at the school who's sort of doing these little catch-ups with the kids there's not a parents evening it's sort, sort of like on a wednesday morning she's putting time aside if oh, you yeah. want to go in yeah, yeah, yeah. to talk yeah. about your kid yeah and it's quite relaxed you don't have to go it's quite relaxed it's just if you want yeah. to anyway we went in and she was saying yeah she's lovely and it's all she's all doing well and you know there's no problems yeah. anything like that and and stuff i said she's a bit more she's sort of like She's a slow grower with confidence. She's sort of semi-quiet, but then as she gets into it, she gets more confident, as it, which is actually quite like me as a yeah. child. I was very t- quiet and timid. She's and then I'd grow in confidence. Time, you, though, <laughs> exactly. Um, and then she said, yeah, it's a bit strange. She's not doing any clubs at all. We said, look, we, we, we don't mind her doing clubs. We're happy to pay for like the ones you have to pay for. We're not being tight or she just doesn't really want to um, want to do any. So we thought maybe, or so maybe it's just a bit of a sort of like a confidence thing or something like that. And then the teacher went, well, I'm doing recorder club. So yeah. what I'm going to do is I'll go and say to her, there's a space in my recorder club and I'd love it if you'd join the club. Yeah. Right. And sort of invite her rather than her making yeah, a decision yeah. or being forced into it by the parents. So we said, okay, it sounds great. Anyway, didn't think much of it. Then when we picked her up from school that same day, she came out like, mummy, daddy, I'm going to record a club. The miss, miss come up to me and said, there's a space and she's asked me to go in Amazing. it and I'm going to do a recorder club. Look I'm like, at that. Look at this turnaround. This is yeah. like, unbelievable. Incredible. Like, yeah. When she's playing recorder, headlining Glastonbury Pyramid stage in 20 years, You'll yeah, be yeah. able to go. I knew that was that moment. That's a teacher having an impact. The first person to headline Glasto on a recorder. Yeah, Pharaoh Jacca, eighteen Not, times. Nice of them to get a woman to headline. Many would say, but anyway, <laughs> yeah, it's quite um, white blokey, isn't it? The old uh, Glasto <laughs> this year. So she came out buzzing, right? And she yeah. was all excited. It was like, cool, brilliant. Okay, that sounds good. Great. Well, we'll pick you up at four four o'clock tomorrow, whenever it finishes. Yeah, she went, brilliant. And then. The uh, youngest is going in this little late room thing. So we get them all at four. The late room. Anyway, the next that morning... sounds like a nightclub. You're sending your oldest in with a recorder, your youngest in with some MDMA, and you're <laughs> going to pick them up. <laughs> um, and uh, anyway, so we get them at four. The day we drop her off, the next morning, she's white. She basically goes white as a ghost when she's worried about something. Like yeah. you can actually see the colour drained out of her face. She's like, "Oh god, I, I don't want to go to the record club. I don't want to go. I don't like it. I don't <gasps> oh, want to go." God. Like really, sort of panicking and like really, like I don't want to go. I'm really nervous and all that. And I just don't want to go. I just don't want to go. And then Lou was like, "Well, let's just see what it's like." And she was like, properly, like nearly, like getting upset about it. And it's just at the like, start just, of the day. And she's so got to do it dropping her off, and she's like getting out of the car. And she's got to do it at the end of the day. She was like, I've got to do it, but I'm really nervous. And then like, Lou, and then she drops her, well, we'll see. And I think Lou sort of said something like, we don't know, you might not have to do it if you don't want to do it kind of thing. Yeah, and then yeah. Lou sort of regretted saying that because she actually wants her to go. So anyway, yeah. she went in and then Lou was like, oh God, like, I don't know what to do. And then she, we emailed the teacher and Lou was going to say, she doesn't have to do it, she doesn't want to do it. But I was yeah, like, yeah. and we both agreed that me and Lou, that I think actually she's worried, she wants to go because she come out buzzing. Yeah, 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 yeah. She wants but to go. it's that fear of the unknown. Exactly. And I think that what you want to do as a parent for me is a bit like, well, don't go then. Don't have to do it. I can control this. I can make you happy now. Yeah. You're unhappy now. I can make you happy now. Right. And short term, it's a bit short sighted because the thing is, then, then what we did, we emailed the teacher and said, look, she, says she doesn't want to go. We think it's just nerves. And I think she'll absolutely love it. She was so excited last night. The only thing that's changed is the anxiety of the morning drop-off of she's got to do it. So they emailed back and said, look, we, if she really gets upset, we'll just put, put her in late room with her sister. She doesn't yeah. have to do it. However, we'll try and sort of help her get over the nerves and go into it. And then anyway, she went in and came out, right, because we was nervous. Because I was like, do you know what, though? If she doesn't go in, she'll feel like a failure. She yeah. was excited. She'll feel like, oh, and that's how I used to feel as a kid. I'd be like nerves and my mum would sometimes go yeah don't have to do it then but then I'll be at home being a bit of a loser and like yeah, if yeah, anyone yeah. goes oh did you do record a club go no no I didn't do it actually why not oh I didn't want to but I actually did I was yeah. just scared I don't think I don't think avoiding record a club makes you a loser Rob I'd say you know <laughs> going does yeah <laughs> Anyway, so, she, so we was like, we was really worried, right? And then th- th- that we didn't hear anything from the teachers or whatever. And I was waiting at four o'clock, and she came out of the recorder club with her recorder and Amazing. her book. The happiest she Amazing. was, flying. And it was recorder club to a point, but also it was, I think it was just her. Get, yeah, like getting over yeah, that worry totally. and that totally. sense of achievement of doing something you was nervous about but you really wanted to do and she was buzzing and mate I listened to Recorder I'd say for four hours non-stop when she got <laughs> home and I couldn't 
I couldn't go, right, that's enough of that, pack it in. Then like, she did one perfectly, I'll sing along with her, and she was making me sing, and it was really cute. And, oh, and, and, and it's been great fun, and she was like, I, I, want, a rec- I want my own recorder, I want a, like a, 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 a turquoise one. The girl's, uh, some girl in there's got a turquoise one. And I was like, well, if you go often and you do the whole term, we'll get you a new one kind of thing. Yeah. But she was absolutely flying, and I was so, so chuffed for her. Oh my but, God, um, that's great, Rob, yeah, that's a hard yeah, no, that's story. Great. It's a heartwarming story. And then she actually said, and then the next morning, 6 a.m., Dad, can I do it again? 6 a.m. she was doing it the next day. Recorder club. And then she went to Lou. She went, Mum. And she Lou her watch. She went, I think we've got a musical star in the family. <laughs> so she's flying with it now. Brilliant. But we, we were so close to going, don't send her, we'll get yeah. her at four. Yeah. And it would have would have been the wrong decision long term. But short term, it felt like the right thing to do. And I think it's that little bit of, the, the balance, getting the balance right of being firm but fair and yeah. cruel to be kind yeah. to a point. Because if I if I didn't force myself to go and do those stand-up gigs early yeah. on... Oh, my God. And the I was petrified. Be I'd be physically oh, sorry, yeah. sick. Yeah. I'd, <laughs> I'd But the world might be, but my life wouldn't be. Fuck the world. <laughs> <laughs> I would pace and pace and go white and pale. But then over time... Yeah. You get more confident, and the sense of yeah. achievement was amazing. And now jaded. I'm super confident in most stuff. Get jaded, fire goes out, <laughs> fire um, goes out. But um, yeah, so yeah, that was we were really chuffed with that. And now she goes to recorder club every week, and then we're going to slowly start putting in new ones. And they were really good to score. They sort of paired her up with a friend to walk in with. And the first week she sat there in silence, like just doing the recorder. And then the teacher said, second week she went, she was asking questions and saying what note it was and really getting involved. So yeah, it's really nice to see her sort of confidence evolving, which, yeah, so that's nice. And from one child star to another, Rob. Do you like that? Do you like that link? Oh, yes, please, Josh. Who we got? A man who didn't want to go to diving club. We don't know that, but no, he doesn't. He, he really wanted he to go. Really he wanted to go to diving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what so he said. It doesn't work. <laughs> but gold medal Olympian, national treasure, Devon boy, absolute legend, and now podcaster is Tom Daly. And parent, parent, and parent. like crucially, crucially, crucially parent. <laughs> Out of all those things, the most important bit, parent, is parent. Tom Daly. Yeah. Tom Daly. Welcome to the podcast. Is it Sir Tom Daly? You must have some sort of OBE, MBE, Olympic winner. I'm an OB1 Kenobi, me. Are you? You're an OBE? Yeah. Well done. Well, welcome. Thank you. Sounds weird to say, to be honest. But there You'll be are. a sir one day, won't You'll you? You'll definitely be a sir one day, Tom. Oh, I don't know about that. Maybe. Maybe one day. Who did you get it off? I got it off of Prince Charles at the time in, I think it was August last year. We went to Windsor oh, Castle. Nice. It was a lovely, lovely. day out. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> And you get a plus one, plus two. How many can you get in? Because of they were still a little bit like COVID strict, I just had a plus one. So uh. me and my husband went down and then we had a lovely lunch afterwards. And obviously on the high street on Windsor, they must have all of the people that go and get their like awards must go in for lunch. Because when we got there, they give you a glass of champagne. And I was like, how do you know? It's like, oh, it's oh, the day everybody's oh, yeah. here. And I'm like, right, okay. But it was, it was quite cool. But yeah. Who got one on the day you got one? Because I imagine it's like, oh my God, they're getting one. This is a, such an honour. Then you turn a corner and go, they've got one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I just, it's going to sound really bad. I can't even remember who else was there. It was such a whirlwind. I feel like Professor Chris Wissy was there. Was yeah. That, is that his name? Yeah, I think I'd buy that. Yeah, so he got, did he get knighted? I think he must have gotten knighted. Yeah. I don't know. Something and like did that. you, I know you have to pay for the pictures, like you've just come off a roller coaster. Do you? Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do have to pay for the pictures and the video. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah, they're like, you're not allowed to take your phone in, no pictures inside, because we're going to take them for you and charge you. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. At graduation, how much for a video of getting your OBE? Oh, you don't get video. Oh, exactly. Just photos. Just a photo. I was just lucky that they posted it on the Royal Family Instagram, so I thought, oh. ideal. I can take that. <laughs> That's free for me. <laughs> how much was it? Can you remember how much it was? Like school photos this is? I think it's like 250 quid. Whoa. I mean, that oh. Windsor Castle must be a steep upkeep, I must say, but apparently... We have to keep chipping in. <laughs> wow. So, Tom, we're not just here to talk about your visits to the royal family, yeah. also about your own family. Yes. So what you set up at home, you've got one son, is that correct? Yes, I do. Four and a half he is. Oh. So, oh. yeah. At school or next year? Yeah, at school. So he's at school right now. So, yeah, that's why there's like some kind of quiet in the house, at least. And so <laughs> is he enjoying school? 
He loves school. Yeah. I think the nice thing about it is that he's like he can be quite shy sometimes, but I think school has taught him to like make new friends and be able to have do that. And also the independence of being able to like learn to read and yeah, write yeah. things and starting to understand the way that, you know, each sign actually means something. It's not just yeah. gibberish written on like, you know, symbols on a sign. So yeah. 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 We'll take him to Wales and he starts getting double. <laughs> I, I still yeah, struggle exactly. with that. He's like, What's going on? <laughs> yeah, a raff. A raff. <laughs> <laughs> Have you have you taken him to the pool? Oh yeah, he can swim, which is nice because I think for me it's like not just about learning to swim; it's about like that water safety, yeah. like, being yeah. able to like if he ever got in trouble. That was the main reason why I started in the pool is because I lived in Plymouth, which was right by the water. So if I ever fell in, I could float yeah. on my back on the surface or do whatever I needed to do. And then you became the world's best at falling in. You're the ultimate. I know, falling. and then the world's best at fancy <laughs> falling. I know, got a little bit fancier, and then like before we near it, here I am. Oh, but you're two Devon boys. Yeah, yeah. This is it. I'm from Dartmoor. You're from Plymouth. Yeah. I'd say you're the most famous person from Devon now. Do you think that's true? And so what about Sir Francis Drake? Oh, we, yeah, but we can't get him on the pod. So... <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, that's true. It's you or Dawn French, I think. The uh, the big two. Plymouth girl. Um, let's talk to you about your son. How did a role split with you and your husband, with your son? You know, it's funny because especially when I was like traveling so much with training and diving and things like that, I would be mm. away for quite a lot of time. So there was not necessarily the most even of balances in that. But when we're both home, I like to cook. So I've always done all of the food and all of that. And I'm also being an athlete. Yeah. I was very much the one who was like recording, especially in the first couple of weeks. You start like almost like writing a training program, really, of like all like, <laughs> the food, the like how many times he's peed, how many times he's pooed, all of that stuff stuff and it's like all of the things i never thought i'd be writing down in a little book there i was doing it anyway um so as an athlete you kind of approached parenting kind of almost subconsciously like a training program yeah basically. i think it was mainly because it was like you read so many books and you hear about what you should be doing what you shouldn't be doing how's best to like interact with someone and it's just like so crazy chaotic all the time that i just felt like there was that way of being able to have some kind of i guess control because you feel so out of control in those first few yeah. weeks that you're like what is this human being alien that you're <laughs> holding and how all, all yeah. of a sudden now i am like the prime carer they are completely dependent on what i do and what i say and how we we act with them so it's for me it just allowed me to like take some kind of stuff out of my head and just put it onto paper so i didn't have to think about it anymore yeah yeah so it was a bit of control yeah. if, you're like, if you're logging it you're doing something rather than just thinking about it and getting stressed yeah, exactly did you find it quite stressful then when when he was little yeah i mean the biggest stress thing for me was sleeping at night and then looking at him and he was so peaceful and it looks like oh my gosh is he breathing and i know every parent does that yeah oh and i used to like to the point where i was like oh my gosh he's too still yeah. and i used to like wake him up oh one sec my daughter's calling one sec i'll be back in a sec this is absolute classic <laughs> one, one sec. you, carry, you, carry you on. talk to me you josh's daughter's off Ian's scurrying out the room. His daughter's off sick. Oh, but bless. yeah, I've done that before. You wake them up to see if they're okay and then yeah. they're awake all night and you're like, why did I do that? Yeah, it is scary though. When you first become a parent, you don't know. Like no matter how many books you read, no matter what you think you know about what your child is going to be like, you just never know what's going to happen and what turn's going to happen next. And I remember so many people giving me advice on this. You should do this or you should try this and this is how you should do it. And I was just like... And when people ask me what the biggest piece of advice that you could give to any other parent, and I'm like, do not listen to any other parent's advice because, like, they don't know yeah. the kids. So it's <laughs> yeah. like, that's, for me, yeah. one of the things that I had to learn and come to terms with, for sure. Yeah, it's a bit like, you know, what you need to do with kids is, it's the same as going, do you know what you need to do with people? Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> you, know, as that, you, know what, you know what you need to do with adults? You're like, well, no, you don't because you've not met that adult. You don't know what the situation is. You don't know the full story. Exactly. Everyone's different. Did you always want kids? Was that something that was always, or was you just focused on the diving and, and then that was something you thought about when you were getting nearer the end of your career? You're only 28. I mean, you could probably still go again, couldn't you? Yeah, I could go again. Like, that's the thing. I am the granddad in diving, to be honest. I am like one of the yeah. oldest. But I swear you started about six. Yeah, I started <laughs> like, about I'm seven, right. so I've been doing it for a very long time. Yeah. But, you know, being a, yeah, I've always wanted to be a parent. I remember when I was like 16, 17 years old, when I used to go away traveling for competitions, I used to see kids' clothes and be like, I'm going to get that for my future kid. Like, I just knew that I wanted to be a parent. Oh. And then when I met Lance, yeah. in the first week that we dated, I just straight up asked him, I was like, can you see yourself getting married? And he was like, yes. And then I was like, okay, yeah. could you ever imagine yourself having kids? And he was like, yeah, sure. Like, I would want kids. And then we named our children in that first week. 
Wow. So you went wow. full steep first date. I, yeah, literally. <laughs> we broke every single rule of dating possible. Like the, we just went straight for it. Names That's and Robbie incredible. Ray is here now. So like yeah. we stuck with the same name. Wow. That's so good. Yeah. How long between then and having the kid? Uh, five years, six years. Yeah, oh, cool. So it's not like you sort of like decided then, you know, had a child straight away. It's like there was a bit of time between them. But I do think that's a good thing in like dating, just being honest and totally yourself straight off the bat. It does yeah. cut out that six months of pretending to be someone else. And we've all done. Exactly. Because it's like, you know, Lance was like my first ever long-term relationship, really. And like for me, I was like, if I'm going to invest my time in a relationship, because, you know, with training, I didn't really have much time at all. So if I was going to invest in something, I was like, I actually want to know that I'm going to get the outcome that I want. Again, it's very athlete mindset. Like yeah. I like to know the plan. <laughs> what am I doing? Where am I going? Yeah. I was like writing down things like, you know, what did he say on that day? Like, okay, yeah, I've got this. So like, <laughs> uh, for me, it's like starting, I'm learning more and more about myself as I go. I'm like, I am actually like a really controlling <laughs> i like to i like to be in control <laughs> <laughs> i'm a real control freak and that's the thing i found most difficult i'd say apart from the sleep about when we first had kids was you've just got to surrender that control yeah have you learned to do that yeah, massively i think you just have to get to a point where you're like okay whatever whatever happens ha i think for me the big thing was like having like a disaster of a house when like they come home and there's like a tornado has hit the yeah. place and you've got all of this like train yeah. stuff everywhere lego everywhere everything is like all and i think that was the hardest bit for me was because again i like to have everything like tidy and put in its place and now it's just yeah it's chaos all the time and you kind of get used to it and you kind of have to let go of that or else you become yeah. so obsessed with it and also you realize you don't have time to worry about all those little things anymore you just have to yeah i feel like the first six weeks in particular is like survival mode right yeah oh six weeks you're being very very kind i'd what? say the first <laughs> six true. months yeah. was survival mode for me true i still feel like i'm in survival mode sometimes to be honest and, and <laughs> Was it surrogacy you and Lance did? Yes, yes. And then, and uh, excuse my naivety, but so did you get Robbie Ray like immediately? It's sort of you're there for the birth and stuff like that. Is that is that how it is? Yeah, exactly. We're there from the birth, and there's lots of different ways with surrogacy how it works in terms of the UK versus the US and what laws are there are around it and all that kind of stuff. Mm. But yeah, we were there. We were present for birth, and I had um, first skin to skin contact, which was absolutely Aww. incredible. You know, because we Aww. would obviously always going to need help to have a kid because you know for two gay men i mean no matter how hard we try and it's not quite as <laughs> not quite as easy as a as a bottle of wine and a good time it takes a lot of uh, thought so yeah but i do think that that is the most magical experience because our surrogate who you know she's asked us not to name her for lots of reasons oh, of course but she is the most special human being on the planet and she has made our dream of having a family come true and it really takes Aww. a special kind of human being to be yeah. so selfless to do that and oh, wow. you know she's now like a friend for life i mean we speak all the time uh, robbie calls her her tummy buddy so they're tummy buddies Aww. and it's like it's really sweet Aww, and like he also great. speaks with her kids as well yeah it's, it's a very magical thing this the whole journey is very special yeah and how much are you in contact during the pregnancy and stuff the whole time yeah. i mean we, we text all the time and especially like you know every day we were also come to the appointments and you know if we couldn't be there in person because she lives in america we would dial in on zoom or on facetime or whatever and so we were like in constant communication the whole time and we used to send little voice notes as well and she had these like earbuds that she could put on her tummy so that the baby could in theory hear oh, through like stuff, amazing. which is really oh. sweet. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. And so did you have to do the first few weeks in a hotel in America or? So we, we have a place in America because Lance, my husband, is American and the oh, laws yeah, are much yeah. safer for yeah. surrogate and for us in the US. So Yeah, it's a bit slow, the UK, with that kind of legislation, isn't it? It's a bit more tricky. Yeah, it's slightly trickier to do here. Everybody knows exactly where they stand, which is important to have that clarity. And, yes. you know, the surrogate is always in control of everything, which is very important. And it's just, it's also one of those things that you realise the importance of having everything out on the table and being able to have those open conversations and you know in the us as well in california it's again the uk laws is that the surrogate can use her eggs as well whereas in the us in california anyway you have to use an egg donor so yeah. it's not the right, surrogate's yeah. eggs so it's, it's a very complicated yeah. obviously 
thing. Yeah. yeah. One of my best friends, his husband's Brazilian and they were looking into surrogacy and they was chatting about it and, and it can be quite costly and all, you know, there's millions of different ways to do things. Yes. And then they say, obviously you get the egg donor mm. and then you can either, like, you know, choose one of the parents to use the sperm or you can just sort of put it all sort of in and you don't know and it's sort of a bit of a lottery. But my mate's like basically Irish, the most pale skin with dark hair and then he's <laughs> very much darker Brazilian yeah. husband. I was like, it wouldn't be a surprise. Be a bit yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing though like once you have the eggs you then fertilize half with like my sperm half with lance's sperm and then you can choose which embryos you oh, wow. transfer and it depends like how many embryos yeah it's like, basically the same as ibf yes essentially so it's a long process and yeah. especially in the states where healthcare is extortionately expensive mm. like i have no yeah. idea that if you didn't have medical insurance and you had a baby, you have to pay like $30,000 no. to just be in the hospital and have your baby delivered. That's insane. Oh my Which is God. wild. Like obviously because here in the NHS, I know people complain about the NHS, but it's a lifesaver for so many. If you think you had to go yeah, private and then all of a sudden it's monopolized in a way that you just, it becomes so extortionately expensive. Oh. So, yeah. But is there a situation where you and your husband have to have a discussion over whose sperm is kind of making it through to boot camp kind of thing? (laughs) (laughs) To to judge his houses. (laughs) So most of the time, well, with Robbie, for example, we we didn't necessarily want to know whose was whose or anything like that. And so it was just a matter of putting two of the strongest embryos in. Yours are going to be strong swimmers, though. Uh, (laughs) You've got to be confident that yours are strong swimmers, Tom. (laughs) (laughs) That's brilliant. Well, thanks thanks for talking about that because a lot of listeners really sort of appreciate hearing about that. And um, how much do you talk to Robbie about it? Obviously, he's getting older now. He's going to school and, like, you, you know, it's difficult. Cause you still, like, I wouldn't know what the best time is to sort of explain how it works to them when they're young. Because they, they are, they do sort of pick up and stuff early doors, don't they? They're not, you know. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the thing. Whenever he's asked any questions, mm. I just explained it exactly how it is i think the amazing thing is that his school let they sent a letter home saying that they were going to talk about all the different kinds of families oh. that there are and that you could have two mums two yeah. dads a single mum single dad a mum and a dad like all of the different combinations that there could be which is a really i don't know really special for robbie to feel like there's actually like you know there's yeah. not anything wrong with it for example and i think the nice thing with nowadays is there's lots of books as well yeah. that you can read to kids and have it like explain for example there's a book like with a kangaroo family where a another pouch was used to be able to help them have their family and like little things that you can do to explain them in a little bit yeah. more of a kid-friendly way basically yeah how's he getting on at school is he enjoying yeah. it like for you that you love the control but it, obviously someone's looking after him all day now i know he actually does love it and it's funny because i remember the first week when i came to pick him up he was like papa not yet my friends go into after school club why yeah. can't i go to <laughs> after school club and i'm like all right he can if you want. Like, be my guest bless him but no he's, he loves yeah. it yeah yeah feel like you know i want to spend like more time with my kid and if i'm at home i'll get them at three whatever and you get there and go i want to go to after school club you're like oh i thought i thought you might want to see me but okay I know, because sometimes he does go to an after-school club and he goes to, like, karate club and things like that. And I'm like, okay. And then sometimes I am home early and I'm like, okay, like, I'm going to go pick him up and we'll go, I don't know, go and get some food or something like that. And he's just, he's, like, so disappointed. I'm like, all right, okay, cool. i see where I stand now. You don't need me anymore. You must have spent a lot of time after school clubs. and tr- Like when you were a kid, mm. what were your kind of hours that you were keeping? So it changed a lot, actually. So initially, where like year seven through like year nine, I used to train Monday, Wednesday, Friday mornings, like six till 7.45, then go to school till three. Then I would come home, eat, do my homework. And then I would train 5.30 to 8.30 in the evening, come home, eat Whoa. again, and then do the same thing Jesus. the next day. And then I got to a point where I moved schools. And then when I moved to that school, I went and did school in the morning for two lessons. Then I went and did a two and a half hour training session over lunch and one of the periods where I would have a free period. And then I would go back to school for another two periods. And then I would go back to the pool again through till 7.30. So it was just... Blimey. Yeah, it was pretty intense. And I, it was funny because I look back on it now and it was just like, it was my reality. Yeah. It was like completely normal to me. I didn't know anything different. Yeah. So it was very intense. You get bored of your step count up the yeah. ladder again. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Climbing that bloody Lots ladder. 
Do they not do lifts? Surely they should invent an elevator now. Like, because it's quite a long way up. Some pools do. Do they? Some yeah. pools do have it. In like, for example, Berlin has one. Where else had one? In Dubai, they've got a pool with a lift. So yeah, some of them do. But then it takes longer because then you're waiting for the lift and somebody's up there and then they press all the buttons going up and just because they think they're being funny. And it's like, so yeah. I mean, I mean, occasionally I would use it if I was being particularly lazy, but most yeah. of the time you just walk up. Also, could you get a bit cold else? Because you're getting in the cold yeah, water yeah. and then you're wet and you're out. You just kind of try yeah. to stay warm as well. So do you think you'd want that kind of schedule for Robbie? Like, or did you enjoy it? Or looking, was it you driving that? Was it your parents? Or what, what was the combination of factors? Yeah, that's the thing. Like, it was always me. I was pulling my parents out the door and it was like to me it was like the best the, my favorite part of the day was going to right. training like that yeah. was what i love to do so it's a very i know how difficult it is now looking back at it and all the things i sacrificed but you know i mm. wouldn't change anything now like i'm yeah. so happy with the way that everything turned out but you know i think with robbie like if he wants to do that great but he hasn't really shown that much interest in sport if i'm honest he's very like musical and he says he wants to be a fire engine and a showman whatever that means i think that's a stripper <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. i reckon the second one's easier. magic mike that isn't it <laughs> yeah last week i'm not didn't take it to magic mike uh, but we did like a, a few like musical trips and we went to see frozen and matilda and six the musical and he like loved it all so six it's... is so good i love six six is so nice i think that's the best thing i've seen at the theater mainly because there's no interval and it's blasted out in eight minutes you're in and out yeah and it's good it is like you're at a concert yeah. i loved it and robbie like every night now we have to turn all the lights off and then we've got these little disco balls that he got for christmas and like we put the lights yeah. going on and then he does like a whole routine to the whole musical Amazing. but some of the words my kids know the words and it's quite rude i know yeah yeah some of them are, and he has no <laughs> idea what he's saying and i'm like it's very very funny yeah it's very sweet to see him do it and he just absolutely loves it yeah so like do we say what he shouldn't be shouldn't be doing you know exactly they're enjoying themselves yeah, exactly have you because i'd say you're i'd say you're now seen as 70 percent a diver and 30 percent our premier knitter <laughs> that's the way you I are i feel like it's the other way around sometimes to be honest <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. just to check which did you get the obe for it could be one of the, one I know of the I other. Need services to knitting that's the next one maybe that's what the knighthood will be for it'd be a knithood with the knitting have you knitted with him yet what's the age you can start knitting 83 so, normally he always <laughs> yeah exactly 83 <laughs> he has shown some interest in wanting to learn but the thing is like i feel like i don't want to get him into it too soon because like it takes a lot of hand dexterity to be able to do it and he might get frustrated so like i want him to like love it when he does yeah do it. and he can do it yeah i say i want him to love it i yeah. mean he's probably gonna be like yeah papa no this is not for me whenever i've made him anything nick initially he was like wow thank you and now he's like papa no more knitting. Oh, really? i don't need no more <laughs> it's gonna be quite funny though like you grow up and like you know you if you're knitting you've got books about it and stuff and i'm sure there's a tv show and on the way of stuff like that where it's like he'll just be like oh my daddy just sort of does knitting and stuff and then you'll be like no i was at the olympics yeah exactly i know <laughs> I got a gold medal i know he'll be he'll go to like school and be like yeah my papa's a knitter and i'm like okay cool yeah. like a, yeah there's something i do <laughs> yeah. but I, I mean yeah. i bloody love it i can't get enough of it i take it everywhere with me oh do you're you? still obsessed with it still like yeah still obsessed i always have a project going yeah. i have like my go back by the door where i take yeah. like you know my water bottle my you know stuff that i need each day and i've always got my knitting in it would i say you're a bit of an obsessive you get a bit obsessed with stuff tom is that i do yeah so as well as knitting obviously your family and the diving yeah have you had any other things that for a brief period they've not caught on like the knitting or the diving but you were obsessed with like for me and josh mm. toasted sandwiches we sometimes get into a little uh, spree of having but like anything yeah. else that nearly became your new knitting or are you just all in on one thing? But okay, so I, yep. piano was another thing. I was like, just before lockdown, I was like, I'm going to learn how to play the piano. So I had a couple of piano lessons and then was like obsessed with it. And I was like doing all the like reading and like the homework that they set. And then lockdown happened and then I didn't have another lesson. So I was like, okay. And that's when I started knitting. And then knitting became my new right. obsession. Right. So, so you could have been a, you know, right. could have been piano, but it was knitting. I could have been Elton Tom. But you could have been, oh, another great part. You could have been poolside in Tokyo with a keyboard. I could have been. I could have been. Didn't happen. Uh, yeah, from from keyboard to diving board each time. You oh, know, you're but... on yeah, It's unbelievable. The workplace is fucking you're a fucking machine. Tom. <laughs> Terrible. Well, you've got your own podcast, which is it pure puns? Because I, I'm, I'm hoping yeah, it. basically, 
basically yeah. just puns all the puns yeah no, it's, it's actually puns. been really fun to do actually like because i'd never obviously never had a podcast before and it's called made with love and i basically just chat to people like you guys chat to people about parenting i chat to people about the things that they love to do the things that they're passionate about and how they're able to turn it into the thing that they do every day which has been yes i mean it's been really fun like yeah. the people i've gotten to chat to have just been so interesting like yeah you start with shania twain right yeah shania twain amazing is the first one. she's amazing she's so fun You've met her as well, haven't you, Rob? I've met her. She's unbelievable. And also, I don't think she gets the respect she deserves about how many albums she sold. That old and Come On Over was the biggest selling album of the 90s or something mad like that, wasn't and it? And her backstory is unbelievable, where she Wild. grew up in, like, Canada in sort of, like, a part of a community that doesn't always get the best treatment. And then she was going off at, like, 17, 18 to follow her dreams. And then there was a terrible accident. And then she had to go home and look after her siblings. And then that, like, halted her career. And she's really lovely and humble that would be an amazing episode to listen to she's she's incredible and like she's so young-hearted as well and young-spirited like she's like ready to go out and have a good time and have fun and it's like she's the kind of person you're like oh my gosh i really wish like you were like my bestie like, yeah we could just like go out and and i said to her like every time i hear oh, nice. don't <laughs> i'm on the table yeah. before she even says let's go that is like so amazing like what's your legacy imagine being able to walk into any room in the world and just go Ba, ba, na, 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 na. <laughs> and they go, Josh Widdicombe. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> exactly. I love, Josh, love Tom Daly. She doesn't do that, though, does she? That would be awful. I would, if, if that was me. Yeah. Ba, ba, na, 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 na. <laughs> Shania's here. Welcome. <laughs> Who else have you had on, Tom? So we had Francis Bourgeois, Greta Thunberg, Lando Norris. Fucking hell, we need Blimey. your booker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's me. I have to reach out on Instagram. Oh, is it? <laughs> yeah. Can I ask you what you write in your DMs to Shania Twain? And I'm going to copy it and see if it works. Does she follow you, Rob? <laughs> oh, that's the first hurdle. I imagine not. <laughs> How do I find out if she follows me? Go on who she's following and you'll be in the list. No, the she top. doesn't follow me. It's a shame, isn't it? Okay. Oh, she's only following 15,000 yeah. people, so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because sometimes like, I just reach out and sometimes I don't get a reply. But like for me, I always think that like, if I ever get asked to go on a podcast, sometimes like, you know, we met when we were, well, we met many times, but like when on Jonathan Ross, it kind of like felt yes. like it's nice if you know someone it's or like easier, try to like, reach it? out yeah. first because then yeah. it's easier because then you're like, oh, yeah, cool. That makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah. Tom, what? tips have you learned from doing the podcast because i think the secret to life is find out what you love to do which isn't always easy because you mm -hmm. know you, you can get confused yeah. find out what it is you love to do and then work out a way to monetize it mm -hmm. so that it can be your income so you you know all the bills get paid and every day you're going to work you enjoy it because it's the thing you love that's the sort of secret to life so yeah. have you learned any ways to do that or any insight from speaking to the people what is the common denominator I think persistence yep. is honestly what it is. I think there's lots of, like, sometimes it gets to a point where you almost get to breaking point and you feel like you can't do it. But, like, if you are truly passionate about and you truly love what you mm. do, it never feels like work. And no matter if you have to do other things yeah. on the side as you're going, it just creates this... I think everybody should have that little thing, even if it's like if you're doing your job and it's not necessarily something that you want to be doing. If you've got something outside of it that you love, like diving was what I love to do. And then I made that into the thing that I did every day. And then because I that became like my job in yeah. a way, I always had that extra thing on the outside, which then became knitting. And then, you know, now knitting has kind of like taken that forefront. And I just think there's always something nice to have outside of what you're yeah. paid to do. They like always have something. Yeah outside of what you're paid to do that's like kind of becomes your superpower the way the thing that you can do that is you look forward to doing at the end of each day the thing that you kind of gets you out of your head gets you out of your own way and i think that's the that's the, that's the key i remember someone saying to me you should take up like a really good thing is to do something that you're not that good at yeah. so that it's just a hobby like if you're trying to be really good at the thing that you're doing for your hobby as well then it's going to turn into the same kind of work situation as your job yeah, like if you know people what get I mean. obsessed with golf and try and become like they really want to be good at golf and i'm like yeah. well, actually if you put that effort into what your day job was then you could just pay <laughs> golf loads because you wouldn't be working as much. Yeah, there is that as well. What's your diary like, you know, and how much can you see your son now? Mm. Say, like when you're, you know, you're obviously doing your podcast and media interviews, and but it's not as intense as training. No. So what does your week look like this week with your son compared to next week you start training for the Olympics? How different is it, like, commitment-wise? Well, it's the kind of thing where I can fit everything in that I'm doing now from between the hours of dropping Robbie off to school and picking him up. Yes. So yeah. I'm then able to 
to spend all the time with him in the world. And whereas when I was training, I would like, he was at nursery when I was training. So I would drop him off at daycare at like eight o'clock, then go straight to training, start training 8.30 till 11. Then I would have lunch between and do any kind of interviews or anything that I needed to do from like 11.30 till one. And then I'd start training at 1.15 till like 3.30, 3.45, sometimes four o'clock. Then I'd go pick Robbie up at 4.30 on the way home, make him dinner, make me dinner, put him to bed. And then I was off to bed. So it's like, yeah. I actually oh feel like God. I get proper time with him now. And like even weekends, I can go out and do mm. things. And it's such a precious time, this age, between like four and 12. Rob, don't talk us out of another gold medal here, mate. <laughs> yeah, no, look, let's break this down, Tom. Do you want two gold medals on the wall? Or do you want a son that comes around and sees you on a Sunday? That's the options. And the answer is fucking gold. Go and get it, son. <laughs> Bring back the gold. Fuck <laughs> the kid off. Get the gold. That's the thing. Like, I do think that in Tokyo, I think that was one of the reasons why we were able to win the gold as well, is because, like, you have that perspective on what matters most. So then you don't put the same amount of pressure on yourself because yeah. in 2008, mm. 12, 16, I almost tortured myself through the whole yeah. experience because I wanted it so badly. Yeah. But then when you realize, actually, I've got all of the most important things in my life. I've you yeah. know, got my family and they're going to love me whether I do well or not. So just go and have fun and enjoy it. And like, you've worked hard for it at this point. Yeah. So just do your thing. And is there part of you that would like him to see you? Because now obviously in Tokyo, he wouldn't have been aware really what was going on. Yeah, he was in Canada. He was <laughs> <Yeah>. asleep. <laughs> if you went to Paris, I don't know whether he could be in the venue, but he could certainly watch it on TV and yeah. it'd be an incredible thing to see. Do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, he was, yeah, he could be in the venue. And then I also think like, well, the funny thing is like Lance and my mum were in Canada because Lance was shooting a TV show out there. And he, mm. so I think it was like 3 a.m. or something like that. So Robbie was on the sofa, but kind of asleep. And there's this video of Lance screaming when we won and then like Robbie is like wakes up kind of like days like what on earth is going on so he does bring it up some and he understands that I went to the Olympics and I dived and but yeah it, it would be kind of cool to have it be like an actual like core memory that he was able to see something yeah um what I wanted to ask Tom now your son's in school is are you making an effort with the parents are you in whatsapp mm -hmm. groups are you going for oh, parent groups. drinks have you been to the parties yet because it gets quite political I'm not gonna lie Tom how are you finding school parents to give you an idea I've thrown myself in it I'm really popular and I love it and Rob hates all the other parents at his school so that's that's the two ends of the spectrum that's not true no that is really bad actually I hang about with the school parents at my school more <laughs> than you I play football with them on the Sunday we have kids over for sleepovers I chat to everyone in the playground I haven't as much with my youngest because I was away when she started school in Australia but I'm making amends for that and I'm taking her to all the new parties so actually Josh go fuck yourself sorry Tom how, do you, how are you getting on <laughs> <laughs> Tom, do you think Shania Twain would put up with that kind of interviewing style? I don't think you should drop yeah, into her DMs. That doesn't impress me much, that question, actually. <laughs> so, I don't know. <laughs> sure. I'm in the WhatsApp groups. They can be very intense. Everything can be very serious sometimes. And I'm just like, you know what? They're yeah. kids. They'll figure it it'll out. Be fine. And it'll be yeah. fine. Yeah. And I think the nice thing about this is, I guess it's nice, but also a little bit like not nice, is it seems like the parents have decided like not to do birthday parties for their kids oh, at all interesting Ooh. so robbie or you haven't been invited yeah or that or i've not been invited <laughs> robbie's there i'm like papa they had a party and i wasn't invited <laughs> no but when we first started the first two weekends had birthday parties but that was because we knew the kids before they started and it was only a handful of kids right so yeah. It seems like each kind of birthday that might happen, they do like a very like little, like just their closest mates. Oh, kind of. they're not doing a class oh. party. Oh, that's yeah, good. Yeah, they don't do class parties, which because there's so two too classes many. in the year group and they kind of mix between yeah. like classes. So it's like 60 kids. So it becomes like probably a bit impossible to like try and invite everyone and like okay. be politically correct. So I think people have just kind of done their own thing. Oh, that's good. Have you been out for drinks with the mums and dads? They actually had like a, a dad's drinks thing last week, but I was away. Right. So I couldn't oh. go. That's quite fun because you and Lance can double up on that. I know. I know. We're both there. <laughs> that's like a date night for you guys. Just go and hang with the lads. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're off. We're off out. Yeah. <laughs> But it's like, like we did like the school fairs, like, like they did the Christmas fair and then they did like the nativity thing. That was sweet. That was really sweet. But yeah, I, I don't know. It's not been as... It takes um, a little while to settle down, I think. The reception year is always yeah. a bit. Everyone's trying to work out what everyone's doing mm. and stuff. And as a recognisable face, 
have you been roped into doing anything? Have you been asked to bring in your gold medal and talk about inspiration or anything yet? The one really sweet thing that happened was like, I think year five or year six had to do like a creative writing piece about someone that inspired them. Oh. And one of them chose me as their like person Amazing. and they wrote this oh. little letter. And I don't think they knew that like Robbie went to the school or anything like that. And then the teacher like pulled me aside and just was like, I just want to let you know, year six wrote this really, really special letter and you can read it. And then bless, they were so sweet. And then I got to go and meet them and it was just very sweet. So like little things like that. And like, oh. you know, you don't really realize, but it was yeah, special. Because if that had happened with Rob, they'd have gone, do you want to meet him? And Rob would have gone, no, not interested, mate. No, nah, I'll pop my head into reception that never any inspiring letters about me? <laughs> Anyone wants to chat? Because no, sure. I sort of grew up around this area and sort of done quite a lot, actually, considering where I've come from. Yeah. But they're not... No, they're not... Okay. No. But yeah, I always pop in and just find out now and again. Yeah, just have a little ask. Yeah. The thing is, though, you must feel that, you know, you're a normal person like everyone else, Tom. You get up in the morning sometimes, you're a bit tired or whatever, you had a late night and you just chuck on a tracksuit and get them into school and you feel almost a bit pathetic and you just want to get back and have a coffee to sort of crack on with the day. Do you always feel like you're an inspiring Olympic hero or do sometimes you feel like a piece of shit. And- yeah, because when he puts on a tracksuit, it's his Olympic tracksuit every time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love an Olympic tracksuit. I love tracksuits. Imagine having one that was, uh. you wore at the Olympics. But then for you, it's normal. It's like you went there, you did that, and then obviously the kids find it inspiring. How does it feel when you have to go and talk to them? Do you, mm. Is part of you sort of... Because you don't want to fall into the trap of sort of believing your own hype and like, yes, child, I am an inspiring person. But part of you must feel like, I'm just a bloke that sort of really liked yeah. diving and did it loads and I don't really know what to say. Yeah, no, honestly, especially now that I'm not been like training as much. Like, there's been many a time where I've like gone to like an event. Like, you know, they always do those award shows in the middle of the week, don't they? Yeah. So there's been many a times where I've woken up like bedhead and my eyes are like half shut, and like I've you know might have had a couple of beverages the night before, and then I rock up and win school, and then I've got my nails painted, <laughs> and like I'm hobbling in like a mess, <laughs> and it's just. But then that's when I feel the pressure to put on a brave face, and they're like, oh, like you, you, I've got my tracksuit on. Oh, are you going training? And I'm like, yeah, I am about to go for a run <laughs> to my bed yeah, to lay definitely. down. <laughs> yeah, so. Yeah. <laughs> That's the advantage you've got. Because I went to the gym the other day before pickup. So I turned up in my shorts and my trainers. And everyone was like acting like I was, you know, oh, have you been to the gym? Oh, no. Like they didn't have respect for me. Mm. Couple more questions. Number one, having listened to us, do you think that Shania Twain, we'd be her kind of shtick? She'd love this show. She, I think she'd love it. She's up for a good time. She'd love it. We've got to get yeah. Twain on. She's up for a good yeah. time. Okay. Bam, bam. Sorry. Yeah. Rob, you've got to slip into her DMs. Well, I'll get the TV company that booked her to do Rob and Romesh to message. We always end with the same uh, question, which is um, what one thing... Well, it's a kind of two-part question. There's the positive one, which is what one thing does your partner do, which kind of you think... That's the reason I'm with him. An incredible parent. You know, I couldn't do that. And then what's the one thing that annoys you about your partner's parenting that maybe you haven't said to them because it's too awkward, but were they to listen, this would be your chance to communicate it to them. The thing that Lance is amazing at when it comes to Robbie is... Obviously, Lance being a creative, he is so good with Robbie when it comes to mm. like language stuff and having conversations. Like, like one of the one things that he always said to Robbie when he was like, you know, in terrible twos, and like he had his enough words to say. He would always say, "Use your words, Robbie. Use your words." Yeah, yeah. Robbie never plays up with Lance in the like crying bit because Lance played this whole gimmick of like, "Oh, I don't understand that language. What language is like confused uh, whenever he would scream or shout?" Uh, then all of a sudden, good. now like he'll be screaming and shouting at me, and then he'll turn to Lance and be like, Papa doesn't know. So, like, he, like, definitely plays us <laughs> off each other in that way. Yeah. Papa doesn't know sounds like a Motown song. <laughs> yeah, exactly, it does, it does. Yeah. So I guess the child psychology, I guess, is a good thing that Lance has got, like, in that way and is mm, has very, yeah. like, deep conversations with Robbie. And I think the one thing that I'm always a bit like, well, waking up in the morning. He's not very good at the waking up in the morning. He can't do mornings. Oh, really? Rose isn't good at mornings. I can't do mornings. mornings. I'm the morning guy. It's annoying being the morning guy, right? Because yeah. I have to be the morning guy. It's not my fault that I'm the morning guy, but I pay a tax for it, which is I'm up making the tea for yeah. being the morning guy. Sorry, it's your problem, not mine. I'm, I'm... I mean, we've also taught Robbie how to make the coffee. Does he? What? He makes coffee. At five? And the crazy thing is, like the other day... Frost the milk? Well, he doesn't frost the milk. He just makes the espresso, basically. 
Also, the other day, I've got a picture of it. He was emptying the dishwasher. No. I came up the stairs and I was oh. like, what are you doing, Robbie? He was like, I'm emptying the dishwasher, Papa. And I was like, okay. And then the other morning, I came up. He'd made himself a salmon and cream cheese bagel. No way. What's going on? Like, literally, I was like, Robbie, like, what on earth is that, Papa? I was hungry. He's that middle-aged of all sea, Robbie. Little bagel on the go, espresso. <laughs> <I know. laughs> Honestly, it was so funny. I, I couldn't believe Because we got this bagel cutter for Christmas because he loves bagels. <laughs> So he was able to like cut his own bagel with like this thing where you like push down onto it. Oh wow! And then yeah, he toasted oh. it, spread the thing on, and then he got the salmon out of the fridge and just chucked it on top, and off off he went. Unbelievable! Well what a done. kid. Yeah, bless him. Tom, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you it's for been having a me. Joy, your podcast made with love. Yeah. First episode with Shania Twain. Yeah. I'm going straight to listen to. What should I listen to second? Who's the one after Twain that well, you'd... Well, the thing is, we're, we're releasing them weekly. Um, I mean, Greta was a great... I mean, and Greta had, like, a really interesting fact about her family as well, which I had no idea about, which was an interesting... And I won't say what it is. Oh, I love it. Oh, that's good. That's good. I love that's it. That's good. what a tease. Good that's, work. Look at that. Oh, a little tease for you. <laughs> He's preparing for his post-diving career. He knows how to, yeah. he knows how to play the media. That's a little tease, that was. <laughs> thank you very much, Tom. It's been absolutely brilliant. Good luck with the podcast. Thanks, Tom. Oh, thank you. Very much. Cheers, Tom. He's been brilliant. Thanks, mate. Tom Daly. Love Tom Daly. What a legend. Great kid. Kid, he's 28. Great kid. Great kid. Great kid. Art of gold. I think I still think of him as a child, though. I think because that's when he was famous when he was like a teenager, wasn't it? Yeah. But then also there's that other thing where you go, you're 28. You've been famous forever. I think every gold medal winner is entitled to that one last games where they've really shouldn't have done it. Absolutely. That'll be me when I do Family Fortunes when I'm 65. Yeah. I couldn't give a shit. I reckon you'll be Family Fortunes by the time you're 40, Rob. It's been a pleasure. Oh, I'd love it. Made with love. Tom Daly, everyone. Bye. Bye. Hello and welcome to the trailer of Oh My Dog with me, Jack D. And me, Sean Walsh. In our new weekly podcast, we'll be revealing the most intimate, ridiculous details of our relationships with our beloved dogs. I have the delightful, spirited Mildred Barrett, who is a cockapoo. Yeah, my streetwise best friend is Dolly, the long-haired chihuahua that we rescued. We'll be asking the all-important questions like, does your dog sleep in your bed? Do you let your dog kiss you on the mouth? And what voice do you use when you're speaking to your dog? In the mornings, I know, come here, I'll give you the squeezes, I'll give you the rubby bellies, because you're the mornings. What are you doing? What are you doing, Sean? I'm doing the voice that I use to speak to Mildred. Oh, thank goodness for that. We'll also get our equally dog-obsessed guests. What, 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 what are you doing? I'm carrying on with the trailer. I know that you speak to Dolly with a voice. Do the voice. I'm not... I'm not, no, I'm not going to do that now. I'm going to do go the on. voice. We want to hear the voice. Hello, my darling. Have you been a good girl today? Have you, what are you going to do? Have you missed me? Have you missed me? Good girl. <laughs> it's not funny. It's how I talk to her. Don't, don't mock it. Over the coming weeks, you'll be hearing from the likes of Jonathan Ross, Amanda Abingdon and Sarah Cox about their faithful four-legged friends. Make sure you subscribe now so you don't miss our first episode on Monday the 6th of March. You are very much part of the podcast too, so get in touch by emailing us at hello at omdpod.com or follow us on Instagram at omdpod. I'm Ivo Graham. And I'm Alex Keeley. We're stand-up comedians who love music. And we like to tell you about our new podcast, Gig Pigs. Alex and I have been watching live music together for years, so we've decided to compromise this hobby, and potentially our friendship, by turning it into a project. Every episode, we'll be going to a gig, and then discussing it afterwards with the friends who came along to Third Wheel Us. Asking questions like, did you enjoy the gig? Did you check the setlist in advance? Did you appreciate the artist's mid-song banter? Did this gig profoundly change your relationship with live music? Was the cloakroom queue prohibitively long? We've been to Franz Ferdinand with Rose Matafeo and Emma City, Kendrick Lamar with Phil Wang, and The Cure with Cellular AB. And next month, we're going with Ed Gamble to watch Napalm Death. Episodes are out from this Thursday and every Thursday thereafter until attending live music once a week with a different guest becomes logistically impossible. We have no idea how soon that could be, so join us now by going to your preferred podcast platform and searching Gig Pigs.